Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Well, we welcome you to our first show of 2012, and we do trust that you all had a great Christmas and a safe and hopefully a prosperous new year. Uh, I am Doris Hansen, your host of Polygamy, What Love Is This? And we also want to thank God for yet another year that He's given us to promote His truths, especially as they relate to this culture and the issues of polygamy. And since this is the first show of the new year, we thought that it would be a good idea and rather appropriate to review for our viewers the purpose for our program and for our agenda, what it is and what it is not. You know, the doctrine and the practice of polygamy in this culture does come straight from the, the mind and the mouth and the pen of Joseph Smith and other early Mormon polygamous church prophets, seers, and revelators. The Mormon fundamentalists believe and follow the teachings of Joseph Smith, and that's why they're called fundamentalists. So if the fundamentalists are wrong, then Mormonism itself is wrong. We're not anti-Mormon people and we're not anti-polygamous people. We are pro-truth and we, because we love the people of this culture, we want them to know God's truths. And so we bring biblical truths to bear on all that concerns early Mormonism, Joseph Smith, early Mormon and present-day polygamy. <clears throat> The early Mormon leaders invited people to compare their religion and see if it stands up to the test. Now, more importantly, we are commanded by God to test everything, and that includes Joseph Smith and all his words and works. And we have done that, and he fails every single test. And since it was Joseph Smith who introduced Mormonism into our society, and Joseph Smith who introduced polygamy into Mormonism, everything that concerns Joseph Smith is relevant to our program. Accordingly, we will continue to hold Joseph Smith and the various, and there's many, Mormon-based religions up to the tests that God has provided for us. Our agenda is not to try and stop the practice of modern polygamy, and it isn't to round up all the polygamists and just throw them all in jail. Instead, it's to arouse a desire for those who believe in Joseph Smith to search for the truth to do your own personal research, not to follow someone blindly, and not to fear seeking the truth for yourself. And we also present a biblical, the biblical data as evidence that Joseph Smith lied about the claim that God requires polygamy. Joseph Smith's teachings have, in effect, placed God's character in dispute. But in reality, it's Joseph Smith's character who is in dispute. How could his revelation about polygamy come from the heart of a loving God? God's salvation plan never included polygamy. And if those in polygamy will be honest with themselves and study it out to learn the truth, they may want to leave their polygamist environment. And of course, we will help them escape polygamy 
in every way we can. So the bottom line is that we want polygamists everywhere to know that God's love brought salvation 2,000 years ago on that old rugged cross when Jesus Christ died for our sins. His death and his resurrection makes salvation available as a gift to us from God. Living polygamy will never earn anyone a place in heaven. Uh, polygamy has absolutely nothing to do with eternal life. I'd like to mention um, just briefly that there was a recent poll among American people which gave us some very interesting and timely information that we'd like to share right now. Among other things, this poll showed that only 9% of Americans uh, gave an approval rating for Congress. Now, that shouldn't su surprise us, but what we did like to read was that only 11% of Americans approve of polygamy. Now, if you take that and turn it around, we can say that 89% of Americans disapprove of polygamy. That's good news. This, of course, is the motivation behind the reality shows uh, of sister wives and behind the, the, the effort to bring polygamy as a mainstream, a normal, natural um, behavior. This is behind the Darker's book, uh, Love Times Three, and the federal court hearing to challenge the polygamy laws. But anyway, we're, we just thought we'd share with you that we do have 89% of people who don't like polygamy. I'd also like to bring up uh, regarding the Canadians' decision, the Canada's court, we talked about this last month, the decision to uphold the law. They have the law banning polygamy, and they made that decision to uphold that law. And we'd like to share a Canadian uh, reader's response to the court's decision to uphold their ban on polygamy. And we're going to put this up on the screen for you to read with us. And I quote, I was surprised and shocked by the criticisms le leveled at the B.C. Supreme Court's decision to uphold the law banning polygamy. Some critics saw this judgment as intruding on individual rights to liberty and privacy. Others saw it as a moral condemnation of unconventional unions and chastised Chief Justice Robert Bauman for elevating monogamous marriage to a fundamental value. The heart of the matter is whether polygamy respects the principle of equality between men and women, and it clearly doesn't. Polygamy must be banned, not because it is an unconventional practice, but because it is inherently degrading to women. Polygamy is a privilege available to men only. The reason why polygamy historically prevailed over polyandry is that it conforms to the primitive animal model that allows the male to have as many offspring as possible. The animal comparison is actually quite relevant, for polygamous wives are literally treated as cattle, with the richest man possessing the biggest herd. Women are reduced to the status of toys that can be tossed away and replaced at the whim of their husband. If this is not in itself degrading, I wonder what is, end quote. And to be, to, to be totally honest, some polygamous men do not treat their wives as cattle. But all polygamous men do see their multiple wives as steps on a ladder going upwards, earning themselves into godhood. Any way we look at it, polygamy is a self-serving practice for the men and a needless sacrifice for the women because God said men don't become gods and Jesus said there are no marriages after this life. 
And I'd like to add to this person's comment something that was said on our show a few weeks ago. Women put up with polygamy because they believe that God commands it. Women believe, the women who practice polygamy believe that God does not think that they're worthy to have their own personal husband. And that's a very sad and degrading slam against the character of God himself, who himself said that each woman is to have her own private personal husband. I'd like to mention a news item of December 22nd here in Salt Lake City. A Utah judge has approved a plan to collect $2.2 million in back taxes and prevent the land and the homes held in the FLDS trust from being lost to a tax sale. Now, the judge said that the threat of eviction can be used to try to get residents to the, in the polygamous towns of Hildale and Colorado City to pay their back taxes. Utah took control of the trust in 2005, and taxes have been overdue on more than 130 land parcels down there since 2008, and attorneys say that the threat of eviction might prompt the residents to pay their back taxes. But we wonder... If their cash boxes are emptied from paying these massive, huge legal fees for Jeff's and the others in these Texas trials, and just maybe there's no more cash left to, to pay their taxes. And the FLDS continue to remain in the news as the group disintegrates from within. We fear that when the regime of Warren Jeffs finally implodes, that many of the members will continue to still believe in polygamy for salvation, and they'll just merely migrate to other polygamy groups, or new polygamy groups will be formed with new self-appointed prophets who will rise up claiming they are the only true prophet of the only true church which is a normal claim and a normal event in this culture and will not solve any problems, but will only create more problems unless our civil authorities begin to enforce the laws that are already on record. The cause of the present crisis in the FLDS communities result from a message that Warren Jeff spoke to them from his prison cell on Christmas Day, which was an abuse of his telephone privileges, which privileges have now been at least temporarily halted as they investigate the situation. But Warren Jeffs prophesied more doom and destruction on this wicked world, and he said that only the ultra-faithful FLDS people will survive this destruction. Of course, it didn't happen. It was supposed to happen uh, on New Year's. But he said that all marriages in the FLDS were dissolved, that none of the people can resume sexual intimacy until he gets out of prison so he can personally remarry them. Warren Jeffs is in prison for life. Now, if they continue, he said, to have sexual activity, he warned that they will be kicked out of their community and any children that result from that would be considered sons of perdition. What a prophet. You know what? God really is he hanging around just waiting to, uh, to prepare to condemn children and babies for being born? You know, Jesus warned us, by their fruits we shall know them. And we are witnessing through the antics of Warren Jeffs yet more fruit from the root started by Joseph Smith. I'd like to explain to any viewers who are under the heavy hand of a false prophet 
Warren Jeffs, just like Joseph Smith, is guilty of many false prophecies. And excuses are always made to the people to explain why these false prophecies never took place. But God is not the author of false prophecies. In fact, He has repeatedly warned us about false prophets. I want to quote from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23, verses 30 and 32, about false prophets. Verse 30, Jeremiah 23, verse 30 says, Therefore declares the Lord, I am against the prophets who steal from one another words supposedly from me. Yes, declares the Lord, I am against the prophets who wag their own tongues and yet declare the Lord declares. Indeed, I'm against those who prophesy false dreams, declares the Lord. They tell them and lead my people astray with their reckless lies. Yet I did not send or appoint them. They do not benefit these people in the least, declares the Lord. Now, there's also some information in Deuteronomy chapter 18 that we have mentioned on this show before, but it's appropriate for what Warren Jeffs is prophesying, and these prophecies never come true. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 20 through 22, God warns us how to test for a false prophet. And this is what he says. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods must be put to death. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. And so we can see from those scriptures that we have put Warren Jeffs to the test. He is not a prophet speaking for or from God. And again, we appeal, appeal to those in polygamy groups when anyone predicts future events and they don't come true for whatever reason, because they make up all kinds of reasons why they don't, it automatically pay, places that person in God's category of a false prophet. You need to run from them. And there are many organizations who are prepared to help you if you do escape. As someone recently said so appropriately, that stepping out of a bad religious system is like falling off a cliff and into an unknown abyss. This can be fearful and it can be very scary, but there are people that will help. We will also help you. And if you want out, we beckon you with the, with the, the love and with the protection of God. We realize that those who know only polygamy as their way of life have been told from the cradle that, that their polygamy group is God's work. And even though the ugly sexual abuse and, and the physical and the emotional abuse takes place, that you've been told that it's God's work. And we want you to know that isn't true. But we want you also to be free from the fear and the abuses of all kinds. We want you to know that God isn't like that. We want you to know His love and His grace and His mercy and His tenderness and His forgiveness. We want you to know that He's got plans for you that are good, not to harm you. They're not ugly and evil plans. They're good plans. And He speaks this in Jeremiah 29, 11, when He says, For I know the plans I have 
have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And we offer you help. We offer you hope through that help, through the love of Jesus Christ. His love is something I knew nothing about when I ran away from the polygamy group. And I wish now I had known about that love way back then. His love is higher than any high mountain and is deeper than any deep ocean. And it's wider than your imagination. And he not only declares his love for us, but he also demonstrated it on the cross 2,000 years ago when he died for you. If you have been or are currently in polygamy, we want you to experience God's unconditional love for you. And if you want to get out, we will help you. Just give us a call and let us talk to you about it. You can call toll free. Our number is 877-425-9993. And we'll help you with questions. We'll help you overcome your situation. And if you know someone who needs to be rescued from, from polygamy and can't get out, let us know. We'll do all we can to help. We'll help anyone. We reach out in love to everyone. We do not coerce anyone in any way to believe our way. We're here to help. Give us a call. Give us a call during the show or give us a call after the show or email us. We will help you with no strings attached. We help because we love you and we love you because God first loved us. And we've received a generous offer from an airplane pilot who's, who has told us that he, he would help us make it possible if we needed to come and get someone in a remote area or an emergency situation. So don't be afraid. Give us a call. We'll do everything that we can to help you. And we know that God's love will see you through if you will just trust him. And he will never punish you for leaving. Another news item that I thought I would bring up tonight is the December 16th federal court hearing uh, that Cody Brown had brought before uh, the courts and Judge Wadoops uh, was the judge and they were challenging Utah's uh, criminalization of polygamy. Uh, well, we attended that hearing in Salt Lake City and we found it extremely interesting to say the least. And some of the many news reports about that hearing said that Cody Brown and his four wives were there. Um, to challenge these Utah laws. Well, that was bad reporting because neither Cody nor any of his wives were there. In fact, their attorney specifically said that they weren't there because they were afraid of being arrested for being polygamous. And I have to say, really? That's a cloudy statement. Polygamists are visually evident all the time, all over the place, and they're, they don't have any fear of arrest, and nor are there being any arrested. But the Browns lawyer said, we are not demanding the recognition of polygamous marriage. We are only challenging the right of the state to prosecute people for their private relations and demanding equal treatment with other citizens living their lives according to their own beliefs. Notice they said that they, are, they want to stop the, the state from prosecuting people for their private relations. They are challenging the right of the state to prosecute lawbreakers. But we challenge all polygamous leadership to guarantee yourselves equal treatment to women in your polygamous societies. It's the polygamists who've always screamed equal rights. 
But they are the ones who never allow their own members to enjoy equal rights. They are the ones who are prying into the private lives and into the bedrooms of their own members, dictating who gets married and when they get married and who they're going to marry, placing guilt trip on those who aren't pumping out the requisite number of babies each year. And then they place the almighty dollar sign on everything because God needs your money so the leadership can spend it. So let's see the polygamy groups practice equality by letting their prisoners go. One reader's comment stated about polygamy, he said the simple fact is that the Bible tells us what is wrong and it does not list polygamy as wrong. God has no problem communicating. Another one said that polygamy is actually God's gift to humanity. <laughs> he then referenced Isaiah 4.1. He went on to incorrectly say that the Old Testament writes that Sarah selected mistresses and concubines for her husband Abraham. Now that is dead wrong. And because of these and other incorrect applications of biblical accounts of polygamy, we are going to revisit tonight Isaiah 4.1. And also, if we have time, the false statement that Sarah gave mistresses to Abraham. And we've covered much of this information on the past shows, but it never hurts to, to review and to revisit, especially for new viewers, and to give fresh insight is always a good idea to these biblical passages. And it's also interesting that during the past few weeks, I have received several comments and emails referencing Isaiah 4.1 as a mandate for living polygamy. So we really do need to take another look at this passage. So we're going to start with Isaiah chapter 4 and read verses 1 through 4. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 4, in that day, seven women will take hold of one man and say, We will eat our own food and provide our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name. Take away our disgrace. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. Those who are left in Zion, who remain in Jerusalem, will be called holy, all who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem. The Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion. He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. I want you to notice that Zion and Jerusalem are used interchangeably. Zion is not Mormonism. Zion is not Salt Lake City. It is not Independence, Missouri. It is not anywhere on this planet except Jerusalem. So we're not dealing with Mormon polygamy here. We're dealing with a specific place, a specific people, at a specific time in history. These verses must be taken in context with the preceding chapter, which explains that the unrighteousness of the people brought their own ruin upon themselves, and that ruin included polygamy. The disasters caused by wars, which Isaiah describes in chapter 3, are terrible and so intensified that the ratio of women to the men left is 7 to 1. Now, we cannot overstate the necessity of context 
when reading and studying and interpreting biblical passages. So, in context, you really need to go back to the beginning of chapter 3, read all the way through before you get to chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to go back to chapter 3, verses 25 and 26 to get a little bit of the context for you. Verse 25 of chapter 3 says, Your men will fall by the sword, your warriors in battle. The gates of Zion will lament and mourn. Destitute she will sit on the ground. So enormous number of men were killed off in those battles that there weren't enough men for each woman to have her own husband. The judgments of God are the prophesied context of Isaiah. The prophecy is Israel's desolation by war because of disobedience of their women. Go back to chapter 3 and read the whole thing. Their men are then killed in battle. The results in the women is, is that the women will be searching for husbands. It's not the men searching for wives. The judgment of God forced many people to search out one man to be their protector, many of the women to search out one man. So the threat and the judgment against the women of Jerusalem climaxed in polygamy. That isn't good. Chapter 4, verse 1 is telling what results from this disobedient. It is not commanding polygamy in any sense of the term. The entire passage is a prophecy of God's judgment against the men and women of Israel. And once again, we see in the Bible that polygamy is always cast in negative light. It never, it never is a positive experience, never commanded by God, never condoned by God. Another judgment on these women during this time is that God's law required the husband to provide food and clothing for his wife. That's in Exodus 21.10. But things would become so bad that these women would be required to support themselves, which is exactly what happens in many modern day polygamy groups today. The women support themselves and their own families. They are willing to be wives upon any terms simply because it would be a kindness to them to have a husband for their protector. Therefore, they are being denied the full blessings of provision by their own husband, which is what God originally planned for all women. We need to note here that the Apostle Paul wrote that in a time of distress, it is better to remain single. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 26 and 27, it says, Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Don't seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. So it is not necessarily a requirement that just because there's a crisis, you've got to run to a man, as six women or seven women to a man, and say, marry me. So the whole thing is out of the context of the love of God and of God's perfect will for our lives. The other uh, biblical misrepresentation by a viewer was that Sarah selected mistresses and concubines for her husband Abraham. And you know, perhaps I shouldn't be 
But I continually am amazed at the biblical illiteracy of people who respond with facts and quotes they say are from the Bible. When it comes to polygamy, there is so much misunderstanding and so many misquotes about the subject and the practice of polygamy in the Bible. I read an article written by Jason Engwer entitled, A Literary Approach to Polygamy in the Bible. And it was so good and so relevant I wanted to share a portion of that article with you, and we're going to put that up on the screen for you. And I quote, When it comes to polygamy, some people think Scripture approves of the practice because it renders no overt, explicit verbal condemnation. Yet that expectation is a general failure to appreciate literary forms. The Bible is literature, so a literary lens can be a useful perspective from which to analyze the Scriptures. Polygamy, while practiced among some of the elite, was still rare in the upper classes and all but absent from the peasantry. It was usually only acceptable as a means to remedy infertility. Even then, it was generally regarded as, as improper. Monogamy was the ideal. So we need to keep that in mind when reading stories of polygamy in the Old Testament. Consider the characterization of the line of the serpent in Genesis chapter 4, which is deliberately contrasted with the godly line of Seth. Lamech is the seventh, and thus a representative of the line. He is nothing less than a thug, though nothing more than a highly dangerous one. The mention of Lamech's bigamy, the first of the Bible, is hardly some passing historical anecdote. Rather, the narrator is instructing us to see the characteristics of the ungodly against that of the righteous, while retaining the backdrop of the Garden of Eden. It is the line of Satan that takes more than one wife. Good social criticism does not merely denounce a position, but draws us back to a better standard. The narrative of the Pentateuch and the Old Testament is framed around the standard of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Every story of marriage has in its background the now lost bliss of monogamy. And so polygamy is always characterized in a negative light. Whenever its details are revealed, it is shown to inflict enormous social harm. Even when it produces more children, the attendant bitterness is all but overwhelming. Very good article. You can read the entire article on the website trialblog.blogspot.com. It's well worth reading. And I have to agree, this man knows what he's talking about. Okay, right now we uh, are going to open up the telephones for those of you who would like to call in and, and weigh in on some of this information. I know there's a lot to talk about. Uh, during the past two weeks, there's been a lot take place. Our telephone number is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. Turn your volume down, please, when you get on the air. And we also, remember, we require a two-way dialogue if you don't let me talk and answer questions that you ask, then I'll disconnect you. And I also would like to mention right here that we know of a woman that has six children who has fled a few months ago from the FLDS, and she needs a place to live. She has some health issue, and she needs a place to stay. And if you can help us help her, would you please let us know? Would you contact us? Uh, we have the telephone number. We have our website. Uh, you can let us know now so that we can help her. She's in dire straits right now. And now we have our message for you. 
You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. You are welcome to join us in our monthly support group, Life After Polygamy, where you can meet others like yourself who are searching for answers about polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism. We meet monthly in the Salt Lake City area. For more details about time and place, call us toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we've made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, Make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Well, we welcome you back to our show. Uh, this is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And we're talking about the FLDS community and different aspects of the polygamy situation down there. Our telephone lines are open. Uh, the number is 801-973-TV20. That's 973-8820. And our next meeting for our support group is January 23rd. That's a couple of weeks yet. But we do invite those who have come out of polygamy. If your life has been touched by polygamy in any way, uh, you are welcome. Welcome to come join the group. Just take a look and, and listen and, and maybe share your own story with us. Uh, you can email us or call for information on where the group is going to be held. Uh, I'd like to mention right now, I'd like to, to, to just kind of uh, present a question to our viewers and perhaps we can get some viewers who will call in and discuss this situation. Uh, the official 1835 Mormon marriage statement said, and I quote, that all legal contracts of marriage made before a person is baptized into the Mormon church should be held sacred and fulfilled. So all marriage contracts were good before you became a Mormon in 1835. That was their official statement. 
But later, Joseph Smith invalidated all marriages that were not sealed by his blessing. Joseph Smith claimed that he had been given powers that transcended uh, civil law and that he had the sole responsibility of binding and unbinding marriages on earth and in heaven. He didn't consider it necessary to, con to have civil marriage licenses or civil divorce decrees or anything. He just proclaimed that. So whenever he wanted to do it, he would release a woman from her marriage, her earthly marriage vows, and seal her either to himself or to another man with no stigma of adultery. And he married 11 women who were already married and living with their husbands. We've talked about that a lot on this show, but that is part of, of his decree here. Now, my question to our viewers is this. What is the difference between Joseph Smith's invalidation of marriages that were not performed by himself and Warren Jeff's recent dissolving of all marriages in the FLDS? And that they must wait until he's out of prison for him to remarry them before they can partake of sexual activities. Isn't this self-destruction? I mean, he's in prison for life. Um, and, and plus 20 years, by the way. And Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. He also said, the fruits of the false prophets will be evident. And so my question is, what is the difference? Was Warren Jeffs following the prophet Joseph Smith? What is the difference between these two decrees? If anybody wants to call in and give us some of uh, your viewpoints on it, we would certainly like to hear from you. And some of that information can be seen in this book. You can read this book by Richard Van Wagner, and it's called Mormon Polygamy. And we've talked about this book on our show in the past as well. So we're waiting for some phone calls. If you want to call in and talk about the subject matter tonight, if you have any questions, give us a call, uh, 801-973-TV20. If you know of anyone who, who can help us help the woman with six children who needs a place uh, to go, she needs a home to live in in Salt Lake City, please give us a call either during the show or after the show, and we would be happy to talk to you. We have an email here from a viewer that I'd like to share. Um, he said, a thought came to me over the weekend regarding polygamy. If, as the LDS leadership is trying to argue, that polygamy was God's design from the beginning, wouldn't it make more sense that God would have used more than just one rib of Adam's when he created his companion? He says, I enjoy your program immensely. I'm hoping that discussions I'm having with an LDS woman can lead her to the truth and also her girlfriend who lives in Mexico in a polygamous colony. This is my first experience knowing someone actually touched by this hellish doctrine of polygamy. With the limited conversations I have had, I am aghast at the depth of the mind control over both of these women that the teachings of Joseph Smith have on them. Have a wonderful and successful new year with your ministry. God bless. Well, I want to thank this viewer for his email and to be sure Polygamy is definitely a mind control, brainwashing way of life. Now, you might say, anyone might say, well, I'm not brainwashed. No one controls my mind. Please know that if you are brainwashed, you don't even know you're brainwashed. The last person on the planet to know they're brainwashed is someone whose mind is being controlled by someone else. 
you don't know it until you're out of it. And then it becomes crystal clear to those who have escaped that they were brainwashed. And the remark about God taking uh, more than one rib from Adam if his will had been polygamy, I agree with that comment. God uses types and models in the Bible. And when he took one rib out of Adam and made him one wife, that was his model. And I mentioned before, monogamy was the style of marriage in paradise. And I wrote this uh, Bible study on is polygamy biblical? And in this actually uh, is mentioned the fact that one rib was taken out of Adam for his one wife. So we do see again that the model for polygamy has always, or for marriage has always been monogamy from the New Testament clear on, uh, Old Testament clear on through the New Testament. Okay, it looks like our phone lines are full. We have a call um, on line two from Jill in Ogden. Hello, Jill. Yes. Yes, you're on the air. Um, my question, I actually have two. Uh, my first question would be um, the difference, I'm asking you what the difference between the FLDS Church and the LDS Church. Uh, the difference, that, well, there's really a lot of differences, but when you get to the foundation of it, and that's that's where I will stop with, because it could take two years to go through all the differences. Oh, there are a lot of differences. Yes, there are, but the FLDS is living... Uh, original Mormon doctrine, where the LDS Church has strayed away from Mormon doctrine, the way Joseph Smith put it forth. That's the largest difference, and the most important foundational difference. I see. So there are more differences than just that. Well, then let me ask you this simply. If Joseph Smith were here today, would he be an L F LDS member or an LDS member? Oh, he'd be FLDS. They wouldn't let him in the Mormon Church. Oh, okay. So well, I don't no, know he, he, why <laughs> they're so fanatical about their the LDS Church ego being bruised by the FLDS, but they have pictures of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young in their home. Right, and they were both polygamous, and they the LDS Church won't allow polygamy now. Now, and I can't say it's bad that they won't allow polygamy. I'm glad they don't. But the fact is, they, their foundation is based on what Joseph Smith taught that God said. And, and he taught in section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants that polygamy was an everlasting covenant. And that if you didn't practice it, you would be damned. And uh, Brigham Young taught that as well. Okay, so I can assume that Brigham Young and Joseph Smith are both members of the FLDS Church. They would be if they were alive today, yes. Okay, well that answers some questions for me. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Uh -huh, <laughs> okay, uh, Anonymous calling on line three. Hello, Anonymous. Uh, yes, I just wanted to say how the children of polygamy really suffer for it. My Grandfather was born in the 1800s, and he was uh, his mother was involved in polygamy. She was an Irish immigrant, and then she got left, and she was left with eight children to provide for all by herself, and she was trying to scratch out a living in a homestead out in the basin where it's really dry and nothing grows, and um, 
she became very bitter in raising her children, and she raised her children with almost resentment towards them. And um, my grandfather, in turn, raised his children the same way. And it's something that's trickled clear down. And here my father is in his 80s now, late 80s, almost 90. And um, he can't understand why his children don't want anything to do with him, but it's because of the bitterness, and they just cannot get past it. And I don't think that when people go into these kind of relationships, I don't understand why the women don't stop and look at what is happening to my children because women are supposed to protect and defend their children, and they have throughout the centuries. But for some reason, these polygamist women have been so beat down and so indoctrinated that they will watch their children being abused or let them go into abusive situations and never step in and try to intercede. This is true. Um, first of all, we talked about the brainwashing, and we need to realize that from the cradle, when you're raised in a polygamy group, you are brainwashed, that this is what God wants. But I still believe that there's something in a mother that that is still alive in there to protect her children. In fact, there's a lot of people that I'm hearing these days who wants the, the, the authorities to start to prosecute these mothers who allow their children to be so abused like they are. Well, uh, it's sad that, you know, somebody has to step in and say to them, you know, cowboy up and be a decent mother for Well, why, why don't they have the equal right of protection like the rest of society? Why is oh, the why are the polygamy groups out there separated from society just because they claim some religion? The authorities are afraid to step in for some reason. It doesn't make any sense because they're they need that extra protection. Well, and that's why you're such a fresh breath of air, and you're so wonderful because you dare take them all on. Well, I don't know about taking them on, but we're trying to get some information out there and, and biblical truths. Because well, we, know, we know that the reason they live it is because they believe God wants them to. And we want them to know that it never came from the mouth or the heart of God. And that's what we're doing. Well, you know, I did say, and I have said to other members of my family, what kind of a God do you believe in that would allow and encourage that? And you have to stop and think, is our God a loving God, a forgiving God, or is he so, so emotionally skewed that he only loves men and women and children don't count? Well, you know, that's part of my argument that, that God, that polygamy conflicts with God's character. Does he only love half of his creation, the men half? Does he love the men more than the women? Does he see men, uh, ma males as better than females? I mean, 50% of the births on this planet are female. I know, but, you know, um, the men in polygamy have got it made, and even though they may have a brain, they certainly don't use it to stop and think about how am I going to account for this in the next life? Because they, they believe what they want to. I'll, I'll let you go, but I just wanted you to know that, you know, even the great, great grandchildren of polygamy still suffer because of what it did to our great grandparents and our grandparents.
You know, in in doing a lot of research for the show, I've read a lot of biographies and, and stories of early Mormon polygamists and and especially the women. And I have read some heartbreaking stories, I'm oh, telling you. Oh, I know. You. It's horrifying. And I've seen it. I was raised in polygamy group. I saw my mother sometimes cry buckets of tears day after day. In her, well, you're, the, you're the exception because I'm just grateful that you got out when you did. I so really I. <laughs> do believe it was the hand of God leading you out because you are brave enough and you just go head on with your chin, and you're brave enough to just face it. So bless your heart. Well, praise God that he's given us this opportunity. We are grateful yes. for that. Okay, thank you. And you have a blessed new year and um, all the support in the world that you need to help those poor women out there. If just one woman hears this and stops and thinks, yeah, what kind of God do I believe in? Yeah. Then maybe it'll make a difference. I hope so. We and, hope so. Um, that's all for tonight. Thank okay. you, Doris. Bye. Well, thank you. Thanks for calling. Good night. Okay, we have an off-the-air question. What is the legal difference between polygamy and living together? Um, probably, if you're saying the legal difference, no no physical legal difference but uh, there there's the the law um in utah in the, in the constitution of the state of utah the constitution of the state of arizona uh says that polygamy is forever banned the constitution doesn't say living together is forever banned okay uh, polygamy is a, as a, is a so-called religious tenet where people are required to live polygamy in order to please God. Where, but I haven't heard any preacher get up and say, you got to live together to please God. But they do say you have to live polygamy to please God. You've got to have this secret ceremony, this special spiritual uh, binding, sealing together in order to please God, in order to be able to get to heaven or the highest celestial glory when you die. So there's a big difference uh, culturally in this culture because they claim something that isn't true that God commands polygamy and he requires it for salvation. So that's the difference. If you're talking about a moral difference, there probably isn't any moral difference at all. Okay, we have line one, Herman in Provo. Hello, Herman. Yes. You're on the air. My name is Herman. Yes. Yes, I, I wanted to ask you a question. Okay. Uh, I read something in the, in the obituary about a month ago. This fellow passed away. And he died, and he finally, he met every, each one of them in the temple. Wouldn't the Mormons still practice polygamy? Wouldn't that be polygamy still? Um, a man can be sealed to several women in the temple. If a one dies, um, then he can, yeah. and he remarries, he can be sealed to her. But a woman cannot be sealed to several men. So in a sense... But, but he was, he, right, he... he he finally passed away, but he married three women. So to me, I, I think the LDS Church does practice polygamy. Well, are, you, did he... They said they don't practice. Are you, are you saying this they man did, divorced, his, uh, divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried? Is that what you're saying? No, no, he just died. He just died, and he never divorced. He just, when his first wife passed away, 
His second wife passed away. Yeah. His third pa- yeah. his wife right. passed away. So if he was sealed he to all three of them. Away. And then he, he, each one of them got married in the temple. Okay, so he was probably sealed to all three and expects to have three wives yes. when he dies. Yeah, that's true. Right. So doesn't the church still practice polygamy? To me, it's still polygamy. In, it's spiritual polygamy in that sense, yes. Yes, it is. In my, that's what I think. Why yeah. does the, that's why they never took uh, chapter one thirty two. Uh, they never took that out of. The, they never took it out because the they don't believe that it's. They, a, don't, they don't believe that polygamy is a wrong doctrine. They just believe it's put on the back burner for now, and that at some time later it's going to be brought back. That's what I think so too. I mm-hmm. agree with you. Yeah, that's right. But that's why I say the church do practice polygamy. In that sense, in my, they do. In my mind. In that so. sense, they do. Yes. Spiritual polygamy. Okay. Thank you for answering me that question. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Good night. Have a good day. Thank you. You've done a very good job. I like that. Thank you, Herman. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) Have a good day. Good evening. Okay. Goodbye. Okay. Line two. We have David McKay. Hmm. Okay. David, you're on the air. Hello, Doris. First off, I just want to say I'm a huge fan of the show, and I've learned a lot of great things so far, so thanks so much. You're welcome. Um, so I just had a question, you know, I'm sure you've been asked this many times, but I just wondered about, like, the thing about Brigham Young and the sheep. Like, I have some friends who are Mormon, and they were trying to explain it to me. Like, why, why was Brigham Young sealed to animals as well? Oh, now you got me on that one. I didn't know he was sealed to animals. I knew that they would seal themselves to families and men to men uh, in the early Mormon um, uh, ceremonies, but I hadn't heard the animal thing. Huh, like, I have a friend, he was trying to explain it, how, like, all creatures are saved, and, and they have to have the temple work done as well. Is that true? No, I think that we're getting some, some uh, funny business going on here. No, no, there, oh, was, okay. there, wasn't any, there wasn't any animal ceilings in the temple that I'm ever aware of. What, like, I heard it was, like, in place of a sacrifice, they would seal the animals to... People. I have not heard during that. During the millennium, that's why they need like a thousand years. I have not heard that. Huh. Okay. No. Do you have any like great references I could look at that might talk about these kind of issues? Yeah, I'm I was very fascinated by them. You can go to utlm.org. They probably have more information than any other single website. You can go to mrm.org, irr.org. Mormon.org? MRM.org. Oh, MRM. But UTLM.org probably uh, has the best information. Okay. Do you know, like, have any thoughts about maybe the Mormon church reasons they might do something like that? No, I don't have any. That's way out of my realm of knowledge. Okay. Hey, well, thank you so much for answering my question. I'll, I'll definitely look this up. Okay, and if you find anything, email the information to me. I'd like to read it if you find anything. Yeah, yeah, I will. Okay, thank you. Okay, mm-hmm. go ahead. Mm-hmm. Bye. Goodbye. Okay, we have, uh, we're reaching the end of the show. We have another caller on the line, Elizabeth from Ogden, but we won't have time to answer it. So, Elizabeth, would you leave your number and I'll call you, or you can just leave a message. I'd love to hear from you. 
um, you know, Romans chapter 3, verse 10 tells us that there is no human being who does good, not even one. And of course, that's from God's viewpoint. Verse 23 tells us that all of us have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 warns us that the wages of sin is death. And Ezekiel 8.20 says that the one who sins is the one who will die. And that death is the lake of fire as is explained in Revelation chapter 20 verse 14. Now there certainly isn't any good news in these biblical statements, is there? But the gospel of the Bible is called good news. After hearing that doom and gloom, we need some good news. So here it is. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. John 3.16 explains that God's love for the whole world resulted in His gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, so that all who believe on Him should not perish but have the gift of eternal life. Now God tells us that the world is already condemned because of our sins. We are living in a condemned world. And if we don't want to be condemned with the world. We must believe in the gift of the only begotten Son of God. That's in John 3.18. Now that is good news. You get to choose. You get to choose whether you trust your works completely for eternal life or you trust Jesus's works completely for eternal life. But you cannot trust in a combination of your works and His because Isaiah 64, 6 says that our works are filthy rags to God. The only way to eternal life is to trust fully in the works of Jesus Christ because He did them. He did them perfectly. He did them completely. And it's the only way. And that's good news. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.